So if you take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 22, we are going to listen to the testimony of one of God's uh, greatest servants. Half our New Testament came from this man who was converted, changed his name from the Hebrew Saul to the Roman Greek Paul. And when you come to know Jesus, Everything changes. Everything changes. And when you hear God speak, everything changes. Really doesn't. I change. And that's what makes it so beautiful. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you this day that we can be in communion with you on holy ground. Not because of our goodness, not because of our attitude or because of our gifts and training and titles and all that junk that we bring before you about ourselves, but by your grace, by your grace, Lord. And I pray, Father, that as we hear the word of God today preached, that, Lord, you'll speak through the Word. The Word, God, that's illumined by your Holy Spirit in a powerful, life-changing way. We pray for our nation. We pray for our president and all who are in authority over us, national, state, and local. God, that there would be a healing spiritually, and physically, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we might become who you want us to be as persons and in influencing people around us in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak powerfully now, I pray, as we read your word and as we hear it spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me set up our reading today if we can. This guy named Paul, an apostle in the New Testament, had been on a mission trip. He actually went on several, went on about three. And uh, one of his last mission trips, someone told him that when you, if you go back to Jerusalem, he'd been up in Asia Minor among the Gentiles. They said, Paul, if you go back to Jerusalem and you put a, a like a chain around his arms, he said, this is what they're going to do to you if you go back to Jerusalem. Well, Paul was kind of hard-headed. And that's a good thing sometimes. And um, he said, I'm going anyway. Because the Lord spoke to me. The Lord said to me, you're going to go to Jerusalem. And they're going to do to you what they did to the one you're following, Jesus. But that's not the end of it. I got more plans for you. So he did go to Jerusalem. He's in the temple. And some of the Greeks, I mean, some of the Jews that are inside the temple worshiping God, falsely accuse him that he is brought onto this holy temple ground 
of all things, a dog. That's what they call Gentiles in the Bible. Dogs. He brought a, a non-Jew, he brought a Gentile into these grounds. He has defiled this holy temple and this holy place. And they said, let's arrest him. And they did. And so the crowd be that was outside began to gather around what's going on around the temple. You know, word passes pretty quick. And a crowd gathered, and a riot came on. Now, the last thing the Jerusalem Council wanted was a disturbance in Jerusalem. Because Caesar said, there will be Pax Romania. Anybody know what that means? Peace of Rome. And whatever rank you are in the authority of the Roman government, you cannot afford to have a riot in your town. Heads roll. You not only lose your job, you lose your head. And Caesar in Rome was counting on you whether you were a governor or whether you were a military leader, a centurion, or a commander over thousands. You take care of business down there. Remember one time I was sitting in a circle of colonels and all of that in our staff meeting and this colonel was whining and that colonel was whining and that colonel was whining and they got to the maintenance colonel and they said, so how's it going in maintenance? And the colonel said, we don't have problems in maintenance. Okay. And that's kind of the attitude that Caesar expected to go on in Jerusalem. So the riot has got to be shut down. The riot has got to be squelched. There's got to be enforcement of Pax Romania, peace of Rome, wherever Rome was in that day. And so they arrested Paul. And they said, take him out of this riot and take him and put him in the barracks, put him in jail, so, so to speak, so he can escape. We'll figure out what's going on later. And as they got to the steps to go up into the barracks, the Apostle Paul said, Commander, can I speak a word to you? And the commander said, well, my goodness, you don't only speak Hebrew, but you're speaking Greek. You're Roman? Yes, I am, he said. He said, may I address the crowd? Commander thought for a minute. Either it could be another riot, or he could calm things down. What would you say if you were arrested today for the gospel? What would you say? Let's read verse 22. We ready? I mean chapter 22. Beginning in verse 6. We'll read 6 through 10. Let me read verse 1 to 5, through 5. Paul says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became quiet and hushed. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of, of, of Cilicia, brought up here in Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel, which was the lead um, uh, theologian in the uh, Jewish uh, seminary, if you will. I was raised according to the law of our fathers. I was zealous for God, just as you all are today. And he said, I persecuted this way. Now, the way was a first name that people called Christians. Jesus said, I'm the what? way, 
truth, and life. And these new believers just had a way about them. And that demeanor was because they'd been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's read together verse 6. And it came about that I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime. A very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, that's his Hebrew, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me beheld the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one, capital letter one, Jesus, who was speaking to me. And he said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that has been appointed for you to do. Sounds like when God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm calling you, and you just go that way, and I'll tell you what to do when you get there. Now allow me to read to you verse 21. And the Lord spoke to me and said to me, Go, Paul, Saul, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles, from Jerusalem far away. And we know that he ended up in Rome. When I talked to my grandson in Hawaii, he says, Papa, you're far away in Kentucky. I said, son, you don't have a clue how far it is to Kentucky. Well, the first point of our message today is that God has and is still speaking all the time. God has and is still speaking all the time. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son. Stop there for just a second. Many portions in many ways. God has spoken through creation. God has spoken through dreams. We remember Jacob. We remember God speaking to Abraham. But here he's lumping all the ways that God speaks to and through the scriptures of the writings of the prophets that spoke the word of God to God's people. But in these last days, now I'm going to preach a series of messages uh, starting 1st of November about end times. The end of time. People are talking about Revelation and the end of times. But in the, these are always the latter days. No matter when you're living, it's latter days. And in these latter days, he has spoken to us in his Son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So God is speaking to us in history past, in creation as you look around, and he's speaking completely to us in Jesus Christ. And instead of us having the Damascus Road experience that the Apostle Paul had with the blinding light and, uh, and the very voice of God speaking to him, we have this book. And this is not just a book. This is the Word of God speaking to us. And we have this scripture because it is inspired of God. That means God has spoken to us through it. 
There are three words that we use to talk about and describe this beautiful, beautiful scripture or the book. One is the word inspiration. All scripture has been inspired of God, the Bible says. And so we read this word. God is speaking to us through his word because the Holy Spirit has spoken to people who have experienced the Lord. These experiences were written down and God is now speaking through his Holy Spirit in his written word. The Spirit of God speaks to the people of God through the word of God. Do you hear that? The Spirit of God speaks to the people of God <clears throat> through the word of God. And so we have the word inspiration. Then we use the word illumination. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we begin to understand what the Bible says. Because this is not a science book or a book of science. This is not just a book of history. This is not just a book of stories. This book has been inspired by God himself. And that's why when you read the book, every time you read it, things pop out to you and you hear it again for the first time. Many times I'll read through the Psalms. And I'll ask people as I'm reading through the Psalms, when there is a verse or a series of words that speak out to you or stand out to you, trust that is God's Holy Spirit illuminating your heart and your mind. Paul said in Romans 10, faith comes by what? Hearing. God speaks and we need to hear. In order to believe, we need to first hear the word of God. And this is the hearing through the word concerning Jesus Christ. So there's inspiration, we speak of the word of God. There's illumination, we begin to understand. You ever read the Bible and say, wow, I never saw that before. I do it all the time. Do it this week. And God spoke to me from Luke. And I just was in tears. It hit my heart. I physically felt something right here. God was speaking to me. Well, that's what God wants to do in your life and mine as we walk with him in illumination. So there's inspiration, illumination, and then we use the word integration. We want to integrate the word of God into our life. How do I integrate the word of God, this Bible, how do I get it into my life? How do I get it, um, how do I apply it where I work? How do I apply it in my family? How do I apply it uh, at school? How do I apply it in my network of business associates? How do I integrate this book who talks about Jesus, and it's all about Jesus because he's all about God. He's fullness of the radiance of God's nature that dwells in him. That's what Hebrews says here. And so it's all about him. Remember, there are two Bibles. Do you know there are two Bibles? Remember that? There's the Bible, and there's my Bible. The Bible is this one I'm holding up right here. My Bible is the word of God that I've hid in my heart that I may not, what? Sin against God. Two Bibles. So God has and continues to speak all the time. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Well, in order to listen, I want to share with you today as much time as we have left. Three attitudes that we need to have to hear God speak to us. And I'm going to go to the book of James and chapter 1, verses 19 
and 20. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. James writes, who was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, by the way, This you know, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear. Quick to what? Hear. Slow to what? Quick to hear. <laughs> I love how he goes with this. Listen first, speak later, right? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to what? Anger, slow to respond. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to respond. For the anger that I have of anyone does not achieve the righteousness of God. My anger doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. There's a, there is a righteous anger, and that's God's anger, an injustice. God's anger about sin. God's anger about how we treat the least of these and who we might abuse or who we might take advantage of. That gets God angry. And you don't want to face an angry God. In verse 21, he says, Therefore, put aside all what? Filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Now, that's the New American Standard Version. But what he's talking about is excess wickedness or sin in our life. You got to put that away. You got to put that away. And the next word, in humility. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your what? Save your what? Souls. Now, let's start with the end in mind, and let's look at a word that he has in here called the word receive. Receive. What does that mean? I'm wearing a key today. Would anybody like to guess where this key came from? Talk to me. Where's it? Where'd it? Just take a guess. Somebody, anybody, throw it out there. Where'd it come from? Huh? A door. A car. A door is correct, actually. Any other guesses where it came from? Whose door? Anybody have an idea whose door it came from? Right back here. There's students back here. Shout it out, kids. Where'd it come from? A house? Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, actually, this very key, my wife can verify that right, Miss Linda, came from the apartment door from Plovsk, Russia. And our host was Ludmilla, was her name. She had two children. Her husband had been in the Air Force flying airplanes, and uh, he was imprisoned, and his brain wasn't working right, so he couldn't live with them. And she graciously said, I want to give you the key to my apartment so that you'll come back someday and you'll always be welcome. By the way, about a couple of, down, a couple of hours down the road was the home of Leo Tolstoy. What book did he write? War and Peace. We got to tour his house. You know, when you go with God somewhere, he will just take you to the most awesome places. When you get to go. That's what the word receive means. It's a hospitality word. And our hearts need to say, God, I receive your word. Word of God, what, Catherine? Speak. Pour down like rain. I want you in my heart. I want to know, Lord, what you have to say to me today. I'm desperate to hear from you, Lord. In the Psalms it says, I'm like a, I'm like a deer panting for the water. 
My heart is open. My house is open. My home is open. My life is open, God. Speak through your word. God, you just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. I challenge you to pray that prayer. I did one time. I was in a plywood mill, and here I am today in Kentucky. Married to my sweetie over there. Good things happen when you come to Kentucky, don't they? Amen? Amen. Let me give you three attitudes from this scripture that we just read that God is looking for in order for us to hear him speak. And here's how you listen to God. I must first be receptive to hear God speak. So here we are, being receptive to the word of God. I am an open book to God's book. Get it? My life is an open book to God's book. So I'm not reading it for information. I'm reading it for inspiration, as we referred to earlier. Are you willing to be receptive to what God wants to say to you as you read his word? Is your heart open? Or do you have your mind made up about what you're going to do with your life? Are the things, your agenda, your calendar, your choices, your goals, your aspirations, are you so locked Pardon the pun, but are you so locked in to yourself that you cannot be unlocked in your life, in your heart, when God speaks to you? God spoke to the Apostle Paul on that road to Damascus. And what's the first thing he said to him? Who are you? What? Lord. Boy, things are different when God speaks. There was a great light. It was the middle of the day. And there was a voice. Others saw that were around him the light. He was headed to, you know, he was not just a zealous. We might call him a religious extremist today. We might also call him a kind of, um, what do you call those people that go around shooting and killing others on the name of religion? Hmm? What do we call them? What? Crusaders? That'd be another good term. That's that's. That's, a, that's what Paul was. And God appeared to him, and God spoke to him. And he was on the ground when he said, Who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? So, first of all, I must have a receptive spirit, a receptive heart, to hear the word of God. Uh, number two, he talks about being swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, slow to respond. I must be quiet and calm in order to hear God speak. Now the word to speak, or to hear rather, the word to hear in this passage of scripture is a Greek akousa, where we get the English word like um, Nick was playing a while ago, the acoustic guitar. That's literally the transliteration of that word. Acoustic. Um, we have to be prepared to accept and to hear the word of God, swift to hear, ready to hear, always, Lord, I want you to speak to me today. And then he said, be slow to speak and slow to anger in order to hear and receive the word of God. Uh, when you're talking, you're not listening. Did you know that? When you're talking, you're not listening. And I sensed this today as we came into worship 
a listening spirit. Wasn't a lot of talking going on today. I don't know if you're just mad because you couldn't go on spring break like some people like me. It's poor, had to stay home. But I appreciate that. Slow to speak. When you're listening, research says your blood pressure goes down. Listen. Is that right, nurse? Nurse Tracy? It helps your blood pressure to go up down there's just a lot of advantages to speaking and then he says watch how you react be slow to anger count to ten if you can't get to ten count to five if you can't count to five three seconds will really help I'm not going to tell them what happened in our car today okay baby that's just we won't go into that Slow to anger. We don't hear much when we're angry. When we're angry, we're in the defensive posture. Defensive posture. Uh, when we're in the defensive posture, that's reflecting our feelings of anger. We're using our feeling brain instead of our calm, rational thinking brain. But when we are emotionally relaxed, we are quiet and calm. And to hear God speak his best, it is time to be still, the Bible says, and know that I am what? In order for God to speak to Paul in his arrogance and his pride, in his conceit, he was the top of the class in the seminary in Jerusalem under Gamal. He was a proud zealot. He was on his way to Damascus. He was going to take those people of the way, and they were defying the law, and he was going to put them in prison. They would die. They would be headed, and he was proud as punch to be able to do that. And then God spoke to him. And that leads us to number three. I must be humble to hear God speak. And sometimes, past tense, I have to be humbled. Passive tense. To be acted upon by God. And God acted upon the Apostle Paul. Here he says in this passage of Scripture, Rid yourselves of moral filth and evil excess, humbly receiving the implanted word. The problem with the Bible is not the word of God. The problem with hearing God speak is the soil that the word is planted in in my life. Paul will tell you three things about himself and being trying to be humble. You know, there were times in the Bible when he was kind of a show-off, if you listen to the way he writes his letters, a little bit of show-off. Some places he'd say, just be like me. Well, I don't know. I don't want you to be like me all the time. What you've seen and heard in me, do it. I don't know about that all the time. But Paul will tell you three things about his testimony about himself. Number one, Jesus saved me. He said, brothers and fathers, hear my defense. This is my story of how God appeared to me, brought me to my knees, blinded me, and spoke to me. And I listened. And speaking to his Jewish brethren out there, he said, brothers and fathers, listen. Listen to my story. The greatest witness you can have is not 
how you memorize the scripture, but it's your story. Powerful. Your story is powerful. He would tell us, Jesus, save me. And then Paul would also tell us, Jesus sanctified me. He set me apart. He cleaned me up. And he would say, by the grace of God, I am what I am today. By the grace of God. He would tell you that he had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed, God, remove this thorn. What's your thorn? It, it could have been, what's Paul's thorn? It could have been his eyesight. It could have been his face. Some people, writers say that he was just the ugliest guy you ever met. And the guy that's going to be a terrorist, that's the word I was trying to think of a while ago, is uh, paid to be ugly. But terrorists aren't pretty. Terrorists aren't good looking. So was Paul's thorn in the flesh his face, his eyes, his hearing? We don't know. And maybe God doesn't want us to know because he's asking us to reflect about our thorn in the flesh. By the way, it's not that person sitting next to you. It's not that person sitting next to you right now. They're not your thorn in the flesh. Folks, Saul was proud of his accomplishments. And sometimes I'm like that. Are you? Sometimes Saul was arrogant in his conversation, braggadocious as Saul and sometimes I'm like that. Are you? Sometimes Saul was defensive when he was questioned. Sometimes I'm like that. God's helped me to get over my bad self some days. Sometimes I'm like that. Are you? Sometimes Saul was a racist toward every culture except his own, the Jews. Sometimes I'm like that. Are you? When I hear God speak, he takes what I struggle with, as in Romans chapter 7, and Paul would say, there's a part of me that's one of these old Saul uh, uh, attitudes and behaviors. And then there's sometimes there's a part of me that's the Paul side of my journey and my life. And he, he said, sometimes I, I hardly know which to do. Who will save me from this wretched soul, this wretched body that I am? And then he says... I know the answer. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tell you he saved me. Paul tell you he set me apart. He sanctified me. He cleaned me up. And then he'd tell you he sent me. Jesus sent me. The Lord said to Paul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles with the gospel. You mean leave Jerusalem? Yeah. You mean leave your hometown? Yeah. And so he goes up to Antioch north, and it was Antioch that they were first called, not the way, but what? You got it. Christians. And I believe God is speaking to the church today through adversaries like the COVID-19 virus. I don't know that COVID will ever go away. I don't know what the future holds. But God is always speaking to his church, and he says, I'm sending you. 
And if we've learned one thing, we've learned this. God is saying to us, come on, church. Come on, church. I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to the least of these. I'm going to send you wherever you sign up to go. Just say, well, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But wherever I send you, I'm going to use you. So come on, church. If COVID's taught us anything, now hear this. I love you, but I'm going to say it. The church is not a building or a museum to be maintained. But the church is ministers who are mobilized with the gospel. I'll say it again for emphasis. The church is not a museum to be maintained, but ministers who are mobilized with the gospel. I think if you could have a personal interview with Apostle Paul, he'd say, keep pressing ahead, keep pressing on. He might say, do not look to the past with nostalgia, and don't look to the future with fear either. But instead, be who God recreated you, redesigned you, transformed you to be in Jesus Christ. And Paul said it like this, I press upward, onward to the call of Jesus Christ. And I will not quit. I will not back away. I will stay as close to the Lord as I can be. And I'll give to the Lord whatever He wants. Paul lost his life in Jerusalem, I mean in Rome. Lost his head. Is God speaking to you today? How is he speaking to you right now? Is there something in your life that needs to be adjusted in order to let God even speak to you? Can you use the scriptures? Can you, can, can you use the music? Can you use the Radio, can you use the, um, your cell phones? Can you use the Word of God that wants to speak to you as you drive, as you travel? Are you giving God the first minute or two of your day or a few minutes? Now, I know you think, preacher, you, you do this for a living. And there are just days I'm in the Word, and I, and I just literally say to the Lord, who gets to do this? But preachers that are called of God. You know, I get to spend time in the morning in the Word of God. You don't, you don't get to do that a lot of you because you've got to be somewhere. You've got to be at work. You've got a deadline. You have, people have expectations for you. But somewhere down the road, all of us have to listen. What's he saying to you right now? He may be saying to you, you're lost and you need to be saved. And the way to be saved is to pray and understand that I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Christ died for my sins. And you're willing to say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm willing to ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, come into my heart right now. Some of you may be thinking, oh, it's just us here today. There are lost people here today. There are lost people watching. My appeal to you is to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe there's another adjustment you need to make, just a little step you need to make in order to hear God speak. In your heart, where you are, while you sing this invitation song, 
Let's bow our heads together. Let's close our eyes. Let's give this time to the Lord together that he might transform our heart and our life. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. We're sorry, Lord, that we don't always listen like we should. Give us, Lord, that commitment today, that avenue, that step we need to take in order to walk in your kingdom and live in your kingdom by the word of God. Lead us, Lord, as you speak to us. And speak, Lord, in this invitation that somebody here who needs to be saved, who's on the wrong road, a road that's leading literally to self-destruction and a place called death and hell. And it's time to turn around like Paul did on that road of persecution called Damascus and give your life to Jesus. I pray they'll come today. Maybe there's people here today I know that's grown up in the church, heard the word of God like a child growing up in a home, and just naturally are hearing the word of God and saying, you know, today's the day. I don't need to put it off any longer, but today is the day that I need to give my life to Jesus. And I pray they'll come this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You, too, can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.